Welcome to the Kumi Sheree podcast. I am Kish Kumi Price and my co-host, Dina Sheree, is actually um, not going to join for this episode. We are going to be sharing our testimonies um, and I'm kicking us off with sharing mine. So this is really strange because I'm not even sure what I'm going to be sharing completely. I have prayed and asked God to lead me to share the parts of my testimony that may bless people and resonate in ways that people need it to resonate. So I will start just by saying that um, I had an interesting encounter, I guess I'll say, with God um, early on. My grandfather used to take me to church and Sunday school and all of the other all of my other cousins, he would gather us all and take us to church. And um, it was interesting because it was us. It was our co- the cousins. It wasn't his kids, right? So my mom and my dad weren't attending church at the time, weren't saved. And I remember just hearing, you know, Sunday school lessons. And, you know, it was at first it was just kind of like stories, right? I'm learning about these stories. And the more that I learned, I mean, the more intrigued I was about everything. Like I remember um, it was uh, Sister March. She was our Sunday school teacher. And uh, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by weird things. So I just, I really would just look at like, I would be wondering what she was going to wear. And she had long nails and would always have <laughs> polish with clear uh, polish and you know, so I just I, I found myself being somewhat distracted at times, you know, just about weird things. But I know that I was always pulled in by her conviction. Right. So it's just like, OK, she's saying these things like she believes them and she's telling us these wild stories. Right. Because I was like, how how is Jonah t- to survive the belly of a whale when I've seen whales and there's no whale that could like have a man inside of it? Right. Um, so it was that that was my logical mind around some of these things. And I will pause to say I was blessed at one point to go to a museum to see a replica of a sperm whale. That thing was huge. Like we could walk inside of it like multiple people at the same time. And that was one of the the mind shifts that I had later in life. You know, it's just certain things that you hear about. You have questions. You really don't necessarily get the answers, but you're like, I guess it makes sense. Right. Um, So that was something that I remember as a young child, I was kind of grappling with the logic behind some of the things that you hear about in the Bible and the reality of who is Jesus and who is he to me. And so I would go back home. You know, my grandfather would have us, like I said, we'd go to Sunday school. We all go to church in the choir singing. Then he'd take us to go get donuts and then take us back home. Like I remember this like it was yesterday. And love my granddad, first of all. Let me just start there. He's no longer on um, this earth, but uh, just grateful for his him introducing us to Christ and um, in that way. And so as I, I don't know why I keep pausing here, I guess I should say this. So he had a different lifestyle, right? It was it was one of those like weird things where you saw him living one way. And knew 
you know, that there were things happening. And then you saw him in church and it was just like, huh, these don't necessarily add up, but I'm grateful, right. That he was able to, uh, give us the gift of exposing us to Christ at such a, a young age. And so I was at the same time dancing. I started dancing when I was like three or four years old and Sheila Milligram, I love her and uh, she's no longer with us as well, but just an amazing black woman who believed in pouring into youth in the community. Um, this was in Flint, Michigan, and she was just phenomenal. You know, like I just loved going to dance class. I was in every dance class, ballet, tap, jazz, all everything. And um, it was my way of, of expression. You know, like I, I love to, it was where I felt most authentically myself. You know, it wasn't, I love school. I love to learn, but that's where I really felt my, like I could be myself. And um, she had us learning all of these, you know, just cool dances, all these different dances, dance styles. And, you know, we would perform them for recitals and just in the community, which was a blessing as well. Because all dance teachers don't understand the need for that connection and gift to community. And um, one of the dances that we did, I should have probably um, gotten the actual, I don't know why I can't praise him. I think it's Keith Pringle, but um, can't stop praising his name. That was the the dance. And at the time I'd never heard liturgical dance. I didn't know what it was. It was just another dance. Like it was another routine that I, I was learning um, perfecting and making sure it was, you know, exactly as she had choreographed it. Right. And, and then putting my, my own sense of self into the dance, right. Connecting to the music and the movements. And when I was doing that, um, I just remember when we were practicing, it was like, it was different. Like it wasn't the same as like my rehearsal for, um, you are my lady with Freddie Jackson and me dancing with a partner. Like this was different. Like it felt like, and I, I know you're thinking I'm much older because I just made that reference. Um, when I did that dance, no, I was probably six or seven when we were doing these dances, but I remember us going to a church. I don't remember the exact church, but we went to a church to do the dance, right? Like this was where we were supposed to um, share the dance in community. So we're dancing through the aisles of the church. And as we're dancing is, it's all of a sudden, it was almost like it was this crescendo into the presence of God. I mean, I had felt it when we were practicing, but in that moment of doing the movements and, you know, connecting with the music, the movements, and praising him, right? Like I didn't, I didn't really know that's what it was. That's what the song said. That's what my, my movements reflected, but I had never really praised him before. Right. So I'm doing the dance and I'm doing the movements and it's, you know, can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name. Can't stop praising his name, Jesus. Right. So I'm doing the, the movements, you know, and going through the dance and I get overwhelmed with the spirit of God. Like it was, it just, oh, I, I, I felt this warm embrace. Um, it just came over me and I was like, I, I was dancing, but I was crying. And then I got 
to a place and my parents were there, you know, they had come to support. And uh, my mom told me that I don't, I didn't know this, but she told me later that she went over to Sheila and she was like, what's wrong with her? And Sheila who understood and, you know, the, the presence of God said, she'll be okay. You know, give her a minute. She'll be okay. And um, that really was my first encounter where I was like, oh no, <laughs> like God is real. <laughs> he is real, real, real. And I gave my life to Christ and really didn't look back. Right. I remember thinking because that happened at such a young age and because I was like, so like sold out for Christ because I had that experience. Um, I remember hearing so many sermons about, you know, living wayward lives and like you had, you did this and now, you know, God can turn it around and what, and I, I almost longed for like a wayward experience because I was like, how am I ever going to know what it feels like for him to take me out of a sinful life if I've never really lived a sinful life? Like, I mean, that did play in my mind at one point. Um, I know, I don't know what that is, but it was that. And um, so I ended up just really feeling the presence of God throughout my life as a teenager. Um, you know, there were, of course, times where I was just very clear, you know, almost like um, in a legalistic standpoint of like, this is what you're supposed to do. Don't do that. You know, like I had that mind frame at one point where I did begin to question like, okay, what does God actually say? Because I know the the legalistic way in which the church that I attended and some of the people that I'd seen this kind of like double life and hypocrisy, I started to question some of those things. Um, my parents ended up getting saved, which was a blessing for, for me, my siblings, everybody really around them, their families, um, because they were sold out, you know, like this, we're living a life that reflects Jesus, not just, we're just going through the motions and going to church. Right. They were those kind of Christians. Like we are, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, um, that just blessed us. Right. Because we were somewhat of a magnet for other kids, other families, um, you know, people who just needed support because we were able to like really show them the love of Christ and draw from, um, the love that he so freely gives. Right. Um, I remember feeling that way with my, my friends and, you know, it, it's some, something about getting saved at that young age that puts you in a different space where you start feeling like you've missed something or like you're everybody's mom and not a kid or something. And I remember, you know, cause I, I would look at certain things that my friends would do or family. Or I'm like, what are you doing? Like what? Like, and it, it became somewhat, of a um where God, you know, really cautions us, right? Like don't become judgmental, don't, you know, look at other people as if they you're you're in a higher place or whatever. No. It was a time for me to reflect on, okay, why do I feel this way? And and what am I learning and what is God actually saying? Like what is the church teaching about how you're supposed to live your Christian life and what does the Bible actually say? And so I remember having different periods in my life where I um, began to dig even deeper, right? Like deeper than what I was just getting at church or just what I was reading in the Bible. But 
really asking questions to God and then asking him to direct me, show me, guide me, you know, like doing deep studies in the word to say, well, what is, what does he have to say about it? And um, at one point I remember my friend, one of the girls I was cheering with was a Mormon and she was sold out as a Mormon. Right. And so I was just like, Hmm, a question. Right. Because I was like, how much of this has to do with just circumstances, right? Like the family that you're born into, the experiences that you have, what their beliefs are, how, how are those beliefs imposed upon you? Right. And um, anyway, I, I, that was my way of saying, okay, you know what, to be honest, I haven't really looked at any other religions or considered any and God, I'm not saying that I, I'm, I want to, but I do need to be aware so that I can better understand other people's journeys, right? So if I have this really good friend and she's saying she's a Mormon, well, what do they believe? So I started looking into that. I've, I've looked into Buddhism and Hinduism and what, and I came away with, you know, just even more assurance about my beliefs because I realized that I'm serving the one true living God, right? Like all of these other um, religions were serving dead gods, right? Like my God is still alive, right? And I know this, right? Because I've experienced him. And so um, I became almost infatuated with, I want to please him. Like I want to do the will of God. I want to please him. I want to do what I'm supposed to do. And so that spirit kind of led through my life. Um, I, I had a very clear moment, another somewhat visitation, if you will, that I remember um, I was preparing for senior year. I think it was my senior year. Some, yeah, preparing for my senior year in high school, knowing that I was getting ready to graduate. All of my friends, you know, had taken honors classes and AP classes. So these are the, the, the friends that are saying they already have their stuff figured out. They know which school they're going to. They've been accepted to this and that. They're going to study this. And I was just like, I kind of got lost in all of that because my parents didn't attend a four-year college. So they couldn't really guide me in that way, but they put me in programs and um, surrounded me with people who could could guide me. Um, but I got to a place where I was just like, you know, the things that I felt like I needed, I didn't really have, you know, like nobody's going to actually tell you this is what you need to do. And so I prayed about it. I was just like, God, I don't know what to do. I know that the next step is that I'm supposed to go to college. I don't know which college I'm supposed to go to. I have these opportunities, scholarships available. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. And when I go to college, I don't even know what I want to study. And so I was like, I want to know your will. Like, what what's my calling? What do you have for me? And so he showed me this vision of a development center for youth and families and um, centered around the arts. And um, it's expanded into more since then sports and whatnot. And even showed me clearly that I needed to pursue psychology, which turned into counseling. And I remember just feeling peace because I just wanted to know, right? I'm, what I, I'm like, I need to know. And so it set the path for me, right? Like I, I had my scripture that I really cling to is, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. 
And so I gave that back to him. I was like, God, I'm trusting in you. You said you'll direct my path. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What do you want me to do? And he showed me that. And so I ended up attending. I won't go into the particulars about how I got there, but I ended up attending Wake Forest University, was recruited to go to that school. Phenomenal experience. Um, I hope I'm not showing. I'm sweating. I guess I hope I'm not showing. (laughs) But anyway, um, I really felt like it was just ordained, right? Like I, the experience that I had there at that particular university and the support that I received, the sisterhood that was established, the increasing of my faith journey, all of that. Um, Some of you may be familiar with um, the revival that happened recently in Kentucky at Asbury University. And we had a similar experience at Wake Forest when I was there as a student. And to have your, your worlds collide, if you will, um, is amazing because I went to college and I'm, this is full transparency. And part of my testimony really is because I lived that life of doing, you know, making sure I was doing the right things. I was in competitive cheerleading. I was in a lot of stuff. So I was always busy in high school all the time. And so I really didn't have a lot of downtime. My my parents didn't have issues with me, like trying to be out and partying and stuff because I just really didn't do it. Um, you know, there were occasional dances and stuff that I would go to, but I didn't, I just felt like I was supposed to be behave in a particular way. So when I went to college, I was just like, oh, this is like freedom. Like I can do whatever I want to do. Well, I love to dance. You know that. I just said it, right? So that's what I wanted to do. Like I just wanted to go to parties so I could dance. Like we were in the place and some of y'all probably grew up this way, but some of my friends, you know, we would in high school would choreograph dances to do at a dance, right? So I'm that kind of dance. Like I love dance, just love it. And so we go to college. I go to college, not with these the same friends, but, you know, meeting new people. But I'm like, I want to be out. I want to dance. I want to have a good time. And so I'm trying to like, I'm actually the, the ringleader. Like I'm trying to arrange these opportunities for us to like go and connect. Um, Wake Forest is near Winston-Salem State University, which is a historically black college university. So we would come together at times like homecoming and things like that, different parties. And so this is my freshman year and I'm trying to like get people together to like, let's go, let's do this. Well, it was crazy. Every time that I tried to do that, like it was something that would stop something that would stop me from having my experience, right? Like being able to go and dance and have a good time. And I remember one in particular, we were um, driving and I just got this knowing inside of me that we didn't need to go to this club, right? So even though I'm the one that had gotten everybody together, like, let's go. I'm riding in the car and I I know it's the Holy Spirit speaking and saying, don't go. And so I tell my friends, I say, you know, and this is took some courage to do, right? Because of course I know they're going to be like, what are you talking about? You're the one we're doing this because you said, and I'm like, I know, I know, but I I really feel like we're not supposed to go. 
And so they're kind of like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Like go to IHOP, Waffle House? Like, and I was like, I don't know, but I just, we're not supposed to go there. So we have the radio on, right? On the radio, the, I think it was like a commercial, like during the break or something, the DJ, he says, um, if you were heading to insert name of club, you might want to turn around because shooting, there's an active shooter. There's shooting going on right now. Um, people have been injured. We're, you know, listening in for reports, killed people getting killed. I had no idea logically why I felt like God was saying not to go, but the Holy spirit came and was so real in that moment that I knew I had to say something. Right. So I did. And I just believe that there are, even in our moments of just trying to like satisfy our flesh in some kind of way. And it's not to say God's against dancing or going to get, going to a club, but he, he will guide us so that we're in the right place at the right time. And that's been my prayer. Like I pray that now over myself, my kids, um, you know, family members that we, we make sure that we listen to the the voice of the Holy spirit when he's speaking, because he is trying to lead us and guide us on those paths. Right. Um, I remember another time in college. Um, and at the time I was dating someone that I was, you know, just questioning a lot of things. And at some point in time of us dating, he, you know, broke it off, broke up with me or whatever. And I remember just feeling very like, what is this? Like, what is going on? Cause I had actually kind of made a vow to myself that I was there to work. Like I was just there to get my degree. You know, I had been gotten the, the whole lecture from multiple people about staying focused, you know, you're there for, and I'm like, you trust me nobody's going to tell me that more than myself. Like I'm not here for no shenanigans. I'm here to get my degree, have, you know, the experience that I'm supposed to have and trying to find a mate or whatever, or mate find me that's for after. Right. So that was the plan, but I did consider dating because this person was like, I thought anyway, aligned um, in the ways that I was, uh, spiritually and whatnot. And so when that happened, I, it just really put, a, a shift in me where I just started questioning a lot of things and actually got into a pretty dark place. And I remember I'm around people, right. I'm, I'm have friends having this, you know, a lot of support, but I just felt so lonely. Like I felt like I was alone in a crowd of people who didn't even know that I felt the way that I felt. And, um, and that's tough. You know, like there's some people who like my mom, if she would have seen me during that period, she'd be like, what's wrong. She would know, but these are new friends. Right. So they don't, they can't really detect, especially if you're good at just being like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. You know? And so I remember being in my, um, dorm room, I'm in the top bunk and it was like this thought had started coming upon me like a, and it was now that I know, right. It was, it was like depression. It was um, suggestions. Like, you know, you start, start hearing thoughts of like, 
you would be better off not being here. That kind of thing, which is so, you know, suicidal thoughts creeping in. It wasn't at the point of ideation where I was really ruminating on those thoughts, but they had crept in at one point and I didn't really fight them. And so I remember being in my top, the top bunk of my bed and I was crying and I was just like, God, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And I was like, I'm tired and I don't want to be here. And I just felt like this embrace, like I knew it was him. And after that happened, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I can, I can go on. Like, I know you're with me and I can go on. And I actually got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm not dating anybody now. Like I was so set on that because I I felt his love and I knew he was there. And I was just like, reset, you know, focus. This is what you're doing. Um, well, that same person that I was describing that I was dating um, and, you know, I was just like done with dating. Goodbye. My fast forward to my junior year, um, that person who was still trying to kind of stay engaged and had went to study abroad, kind of resurfaced into a space where I actually felt like I was in a different space and, and had prayed that maybe he was in a different place in his life as well. Um, felt like that was the case. And we ended up getting married my junior year. or What was that? It was the summer of before my senior year in college. Okay, there we go. And so I'm saying all of this because I know this is long. I'm like, how far are we into this? Okay, I'll try to make it fast. So anyway, we get married. Um, I want to say we're about three, maybe three years into marriage um, when, or maybe it was two years. I don't know. But at some point I started believing that there was some um, adultery happening, you know, uh, on his end and couldn't really confirm it. It was just something that once again, annoying, right? I, I, the Holy Spirit will guide you in a lot of things. And um, I, it was so real to me that I didn't even need evidence. I knew it, right? And I remember calling my dad and being like, I'm done. I'm filing for a divorce. I'm not built for this. You know, and it was so difficult for me to even say that because my parents, I just adored them and their marriage and wanted that kind of godly marriage myself, right? It's why I lived the way that I lived and preserved myself until marriage so that I could, you know, the first, my first experience of, you know, consecration, this, this moment of consecration I have with my husband, it was all of that. And so to have that happen, I was like, I'm done. And I remember my dad saying like, what, like, so what happened? (laughs) You know, like what, what evidence do you have or what? And I was like, I don't. And he's like, don't, don't do that kiss. Like, don't put yourself in a place where you're already like convicting him of something that you don't necessarily know that it happened. I'm like, no, I already know that it happened. Like I know. And so it wasn't, I mean, of course, details play out. Of course. Yes, he was. And so I remember being very adamant 
about reading the word. Like, what does the word say about divorce? What does it say about um, all these things? Right. Grace. Um, and I, I, I believed that I had. I know I did. Right. I had the grace of God, the favor of God and um, the belief that. His, his power, like when we want to be receptive when we want to receive his his power and strength to change we can and so i believe that for my ex-husband um husband at the time um to be true so i was praying for that praying for that change praying for me to check like what is it about me is it something i'm doing and internalized a lot of nasty things and then god led me on a healthier journey went through counseling all these things there, it continued to happen, right? Like it was these like moments, episodes that I became aware of every time by the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And so how does somebody who was so like headstrong, I'm out of here with no real evidence turn into somebody who endured this for years? Like we ended up being married for 12 years. And I think I told you, I found out about the first time, like year three, I believe, um, or four, it was, I was pregnant at the time, I think. No, no, no. The first time I, we hadn't even, no kids. It was the first time that I thought I knew but had no evidence was no kids. Then we we had our first child. Um, and then it just continued throughout, right? Like just different times where I'm just praying and believing like, God, I believe you can heal our marriage. I believe you can heal him. I believe that you can you know, bring us together. And so I believe what really was happening is that God had a grace period, right? There was a, a season of grace for our marriage, for him to change, to get it, to like repent and to come to this place of actually carrying it out. And because I had received so, um, I don't know how to say this, but I, it was so real in my bones that marriage is for life and it's a covenant that should not be broken. And, you know, three, a three fold cord. Um, I just didn't want to be the person to disrupt that. And I, I believe that I had every right to leave the marriage, but I also felt like God was bigger, you know, that he could. And so I, I stepped into that now. Here's where it gets tricky because I'm also one who people would call an empath or I feel people a lot, right? Meaning feel their feelings. Um, I would be riding this roller coaster with him, right? Of when he's happy, I'm happy when he's mad or is upset. I'm feeling it, you know? And it got to a place where I was just like, this isn't even me. Like, what is going on? Like, I felt like I was losing me. So I was like, I'm not going to do it anymore. You know, like I can't and I won't. I'm going to stay in my my space, be me. Let him do whatever he's doing and feeling however he's feeling. And I got to a place where I did that so well that I became numb. And what do I mean by that? Like numb to him and his shenanigans and numb to myself. Like I wasn't even feeling me anymore. Right. Um, and so I had this experience where I ended up being in a place where there was a guy who 
I don't even know. I know God used him. I will say that. But it was connection, right? Human connection. Literally just held at one point, held my hand and just looked at me. And it was something that I saw almost seeing myself through his, through his eyes, right? Where all of a sudden I felt like I just came out of this dark place where I just had kind of lost myself. I was just going through the motions, being the mom, a great mom to my boys, trying to be present for them, um, a supportive wife, but not really connected um, to my husband at the time because of all these things that just kept popping up. But seemingly we were in one of the seasons where I felt like there was an adultery happening. Right. So um, I come away from that experience and I hear clearly I start walking more into my power of who I am. And it was weird. Like I didn't even know I had lost myself. Right. So that was one thing. Um, But I began to hear the Holy Spirit speaking and saying it's time. And I knew what it meant, but I was like, what? And I was like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, why would it be time now? He's not even doing anything now. You know what I mean? Like, little did I know he really was. But at the time, I didn't think he was. And so I remember, you know, we had it was around the holidays and I had left my kids children's Bible, the Bible that we read from every night at my parents' house because we had gone there for the holidays. We come back um, home and I realized I don't have a Bible. So we were uh, getting ready to read. You know, we usually just read some kind of fiction, something from a fiction um, chapter book or whatnot, and then read the Bible. And so we had um, gotten to the point where I was just like, oh, I don't have the Bible. So I said, would one of you want to tell, you know, tell your favorite Bible story? And so my oldest son begins to, you know, tell his story, you know, cause he said, I, oh, I will, I will mom. So I'm, you know, I hadn't thought this out, but in my mind, <laughs> I'm expecting him to tell one of the classic, you know, children's stories. Like I said about Sunday school, like Jonah and the whale or Noah and the ark or whatever. And, um, he starts to tell us about the woman with the issue of blood. And he says, you know, there was a woman with the issue of blood. She, was bleeding really badly for 12 years. And she came to Jesus and she touched his garment and said, he turned around and said, who touched me? And she, she said it was her. And he said, your faith has made you whole. And, and I'm sitting there like, as he's telling the story, I'm not hearing, I'm hearing the words, but I'm like hearing it on another level. Like the Holy spirit had me, to hear his words through my son. So when he said, go, daughter, go, your faith has made you whole. My my son is saying all of this at the time he was, goodness. Now I know I'm going to have to like retract and try to do the math, but okay. So yeah, he was like eight, eight years old, giving this very like, comprehensive review of his favorite story in the Bible. And it's the woman with the issue of blood. And he says these words and it's as if God is speaking it to me through my son. So then I'm like, okay, I'm tripping. So I, we pray. I thank him of course for sharing and try to keep myself together. Cause I'm about to like start crying. Cause it was that powerful. 
I, you know, give them kisses and hugs. Good night. Close the door. Go outside of the room. I didn't even have time to go get my Bible, run to get my Bible. I pulled up the computer because it was right outside of the room. And um, I, I look for the passage and I start reading it because I'm like, OK, God, what are you saying here? I start reading it and the words again are like alive, right? It says it's the living word of God, but it was different. Like it wasn't just, I'm just reading this, this passage. It was him speaking to me, daughter, go, your faith has made you whole. I knew it in that moment that he was giving me permission to go because I I had been grappling with that for so long with, I know I have, I know by your word, if I'm looking at right, wrong, what does it say? What, what do I have? You know, when are you okay with divorce that I have all, all the rights in the world to do that. But I, I also believe that you have said that we are supposed to forgive, that we have grace. So I have been living in that season for 12 years. Like that. It, when I look back on it, I was just like, whoa, because he started to show me that it wasn't your first time that you thought you saw that wasn't the first time. Like this has been a 12 year journey and I'm now releasing you from it. And I had such peace, such peace. Like it was so real, but I was also like, am I tripping? Like what I know what I felt, what I felt and I heard what I heard and you confirmed it, but this still doesn't make sense. God, like, why would you be saying now I've been waiting for so long for you to like, give me my walking papers from this. Right. And now when seemingly nothing's happening. Right. So he's like, okay, you want confirmation? Here's some confirmation. So it wasn't too long after that, maybe the next week or so I get the confirmation. Like not only was it this one, it was this one and this one and this one. So I get that. And still I'm just like, okay, I know I heard you and this is what you said and it's time. So now what, where am I, what am I supposed to do? I we not, we have three young boys, the oldest being seven at the time or eight at the time. Now that I think about it, I think he was seven. Yeah, he was seven years old. So seven at the time and the youngest three, I believe. And I don't even know what to do. Like I've put my life on the back burner for so long, like my dreams and the things that I wanted to do to support our family. And now it's like, you're saying to go, but go where and do what? And I was praying and um, it was difficult because I had to block the noise of my ex-husband, husband at the time saying, you know, pleading right for me to give another chance or that was in the past or that's not happening. You know, the, the things, the, the manipulation cycle started again. And so I remember being like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this house. And I was like, I'm going for a walk, go for a walk, go to the park. I'm at the park. There's no, it, it was no thunderstorm that had happened recently. None of that. So what I'm about to tell you is so strange and bizarre, but I, I go and see I'm at the park the playground area in our neighborhood. And there's a huge tree. And I ended up taking a picture of it because I was so enamored by how God spoke to me because I'm literally on this walk saying, God, I need you. 
I need you to show me what you want me to do. You're saying go, but go where? I don't know. I can't see the path. I can't even imagine or fathom what life is supposed to look like now. And so he shows me this tree and it's not just a tree that snapped in half. The tree is completely upended like the root system. I see all of the roots and I'm looking at it and I'm just like, wow. First, I was just amazed by just how beautiful it looked, right? Like just in a weird way. And so I took a picture of it because I was just, I, you know, nature, I, I love nature and, and the work of God's hands, but I, I really, you know, was intrigued by seeing this, this root system. So I took a picture of it and I was just like, wow. And just, and just marveling at like, how random is this? Like, why is this tree uprooted like this? And what happened? And everybody else is just walking around not paying attention to the tree. I don't know how or why. Maybe they had their moment, but I kind of, you know, come back to like after taking the picture, like, man, that's weird. And as I'm doing that, God is God says, I'm uprooting you. And that was confirmation because I felt like, you know, I'm I'm pondering the different things. Am I supposed to leave? this state and go somewhere else like what and so he said I'm I'm uprooting you and so that was confirmation because I was tempted to do what I thought might be best for like maybe it's best for me to sacrifice and stay here so that the boys can still you know have both of us present and find something to do here but I have no, nothing no reason to be here besides if me trying to do that solely So I was contemplating it, but God said, no, he said, I'm uprooting you. So I knew that was confirmation. I was supposed to go. Now, the next question was where, right? So during the next few months, he made it clear that he wanted me to move to Louisville, Um, continue to confirm in different ways, just guiding in different things. Like I need you to do this, contact them, reach out to, you know, it was all orchestrated. And I, I had no idea, you know, I had applied for a doctoral program before, um, leaving Louisville the, you know, that first time and got accepted, got a fellowship, was excited. And then we moved. So I had to leave it all on the table. And so I wasn't, it wasn't something that I was like upset about. It was just like, it had become a thing. Like it was normal to kind of not be able to move forward with something you wanted to do because of the lifestyle. And so we were moving quite frequently with, um, with, within that a short period of time. And so I don't, I didn't really think much of it after leaving in and just moved on to like, okay, this is next period of my life. So when God told me to go back to that, he just orchestrated everything. Like I literally had no money, no money with three young boys. My parents allowed me to stay there and wanted me to actually just, you know, move in with them and, you know, we'll help you get back on your feet, that kind of thing. And um, God said, no, like he was leading us back to Louisville, which didn't make much sense. It didn't have family in Louisville, didn't, you know, have a whole lot of friends at all from the short period that I had been there before we had lived there before. But that's what he was saying to do. So I moved like on it. Everything that he said to do, I did. He said to go look at, you know, houses, um, like places, apartments, places for us to live. And I'm like thinking, God, what? Go look for what? I don't have any money. <laughs> like I don't have a job. I don't have access to money. Got locked out of accounts. Don't have a job. So how am I supposed to 
pay for anything. When you're trying to rent a property, they want employment history. I haven't worked in years because I've been homeschooling the boys and, um, you know, had kind of ended my nonprofit. And so I'm just like, I don't understand how this is supposed to work, but I did it. I was obedient. I was saturating myself and I should make that clear. I was broken when, when all of this happened, like, yes, I had assurance and confidence that I was supposed to do it, but it hurt. So I was grieving beyond beyond, right? Like it just hurt really badly because it was not just the death of a, a relationship or a marriage. It was the death of a, an idea of what God had for me, right? Like this is what I thought you said I was supposed to do. I thought this is what it was supposed to look like. So I'm grieving all of these things. Um, and so, and then understanding how ri- ridiculously um, difficult it is to still be grieving something that's not completely dead. Like the the person isn't dead. They're still alive. You still have to co-parent with them. You still have to figure things out. But this relationship is absolutely dead. So that was a lot, right? It, it, I even had to get to a place of like asking, telling God how angry I was at him with him for allowing this to happen. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I continued to like be in these moments. I remember I would literally have Anthony Brown and group therapy, their first album on repeat, just listening and listening and listening. Um, I would fall asleep to it and it became so real to me about God, just how much God loves me, cares for me. And regardless of my situation, he's still there. And so I had to come to terms with that, right? Like, how do you come to terms with bad things happening when you did everything right? Right. And so story of my life, really. But I feel like that's, that's what we have to understand. It's it's the story of all of our lives. Like bad things happen. And God is still with us and he still has a plan. He still wants us to move on. And um, so that's my testimony um, in a nutshell, because I know we're pretty much at time. And I really can just put that on repeat because I can say again and again and again and again, bad things have happened. And he's always been there. He's always been the person to pick up all the pieces, put them together and then show you this beautiful collage of your life as to why all these pieces that you thought weren't connected and were broken were actually supposed to be brought together to build this beautiful piece, right? And so now I am in a space of trusting God, right? Over and over again, over and over and over and over again um, as to what's next, you know, what, where, what's the path? He's never failed. He's always showing the path. And I, that's why we're doing this podcast is because we believe that there are people who are hurting on the regular, people who know Christ and people who don't, because we are not necessarily walking in our full authority. You know, the things that God has given us access to, we're not accessing that on a daily basis. So you're living a broke down life because You don't know the power that resides in you, that you have resurrection power in you. So every time you get knocked down, you have power to get back up and not just get back up, but to rise and to be powerful and to impact. And that's that is 
what we should be chasing on a regular basis, right? And society will have us thinking we're supposed to be chasing all these other things. You're supposed to be chasing how you look, you know, uh, people trying to get all these, this surgical procedures in place to change how they look, right? I'll, I'll give my little testimony about that. I, for the longest, was so annoyed because I, when I smiled and one of my boys said this, <laughs> he said, um, he, he was just like, when he was younger, he was like, you have a, a mom, a mommy tooth and a daddy tooth. And I was like, kind of like what? And then I was like, oh my gosh, I knew exactly what he was talking about because my, the gum, my gum line goes up higher on one of my teeth and then lower on the other one. I don't know if I'm doing that right. Cause I can't really see, but anyway, um, I remember being like, yes, I know this and I'm annoyed by it too. Right. But that's how I was created. That was my smile. But then I found out that there was a procedure that you could have done to kind of laser away some of your gum line to make it even. So I got that done. And I remember when the dentist told me, you know, well, we can do this, but do realize that sometimes it can just grow back. Like it'll naturally just grow back. And when that happened, I was like, are you serious? I got it done. It was all even. And I'm like, okay, look, it's even. I felt good about it because I was like, that was something I was kind of self-conscious about for years. And um, over time, it just, that little thing just dropped right back on down. And I was just like, well, what was the point of that? You know what I mean? But that we have to embrace the fact that we are made by the hand, like God created us, right? So everything that doesn't seem like is perfect is actually created by he who is perfect. So who am I to say, oh, I need to change this and I need to, no, you know what? It was made this way for a reason. And so I'm I'm going to live with this gum line because that's the gum line that God designed for me to have. I'm not talking about not being your best self and not, so don't go there. I, we all need to strive to be our best selves, but don't feel like you're supposed to be doing these crazy things to like change yourself to be whatever you think you're supposed to be. Embrace how God created you and, and know that he's designed you with love, right? And designed you to be love. And um, I was going to go ahead and close out, but I did want to, to kind of wrap up um, the beauty of my testimony as well is that he does give you beauty for ashes, right? And so sure that happened. I had to grieve a 12 year marriage dying, but God blessed me with an amazing marriage that, and I, that that's a testimony for another time, like how we, we've grown into a beautiful marriage and matrimony of a blended family. So my husband, Daniel, um, you know, came into the marriage with children. I came into the marriage with children. And then we're having to blend these families, family dynamics, co-parents and all the things. Right. And so uh, <laughs> that's, like I said, a testimony for another day um, because we have 10 children collectively. And um, but I'm just so grateful at how God always makes it beautiful. He does. And so if you're in an ugly place, a dark place right now, just hold on and remember he will make it good. He will make it beautiful. Just trust him 
Continue to do what he's asking you to do. Stay close to him, even when you feel like you want to be apart because you're annoyed or frustrated with something that has happened and you're blaming him. Um, go to him. He wants he wants you to be real with him. Uh, do take the advantage of getting your feelings out, whether that's writing, meeting with a counselor, talking to your pastor, whatever it is that you need to do. Um, and God will show you who those confidence are, confidants are and who you need to um, share information with. Do be careful about just sharing information with people um, and trying to get counsel from people who aren't prepared to provide godly counsel. So be be wise about that as well. But um, thank you for letting me share. I hope something from my testimony blesses you or will bless somebody else. So if it didn't hit home for you, but you know somebody who could benefit from it, I do ask um, and we appreciate you sharing these uh, podcasts and episodes so that other people can be blessed as well. And I'm going to sign off now and just pray that you will walk in the light. So I'll pray us out quickly. <laughs> Lord God, we are so grateful for your love. We're grateful for the many times that we get to experience your presence, Lord God, just how faithful you are. We thank you for being faithful, Lord God. We thank you for showing up all the time, for always being present, Lord God, even when it feels rough, even when we can't even catch our breath, Lord God, you're there. And you provide the very thing that we need, air. You provide the love that we need. You're the embrace that we need when we need it, Lord God. And I just pray for everybody listening here that if they have not had that encounter with you, Lord God, that you will provide that encounter for them um, so that they know just how real you are and just how much you want to be a part of their lives and that they will welcome you, um, welcome having that kind of experience because you are not someone to throw yourself on people, but you want to be received. And so we pray for hearts to be softened and receptive to walking with you more deliberately and intentionally. And I just praise you and thank you for every sister, every brother that may be listening, that they be blessed, that they go forth in power, that they go forth in healing, that they pursue you with all that they are. That's in Jesus name I pray. Amen. And we hope you join us next time. Um, we will be uh, digging into Dina's testimony and or sharing a really rich uh, dialogue around um, grief and how we deal with that. So. Thank you so much. Until next time, Kumi Sheree.